Good morning, everyone, and welcome to all who have gathered on Zoom this morning to take part in Kensington Unitarians' online Sunday service. Welcome to members of the congregation, to friends and visitors with us today, and to all who may be listening to our podcast or watching the video on YouTube at some time in the future. For those who are present in the Zoom meeting live, as it were, please feel free to do the equivalent of lurking in the back row. That's exactly what I do in your position. But there are opportunities to join in by speaking or singing. There's no pressure though. We like to see everyone's faces, but it may be you'd prefer to switch your camera off. So please do whatever you need to do to feel at ease in the service this morning. Now, although we haven't each made a physical journey to gather together today, we didn't have to go anywhere, didn't have to catch a bus or a tube or a train or several, didn't have to deal with Sunday engineering works to drive or find a parking space, perhaps we still in some sense could do with taking a moment to arrive, to take a conscious breath. And perhaps we can set aside, at least for a while, some of the mind's hubbub, all those demands on our time and energy, which can wait for an hour or so while we attend to matters of the spirit. So let's bring our attention now to this sacred space that we are co-creating. Even in the digital realm, as we gather, we form a community of meaning making, an opportunity for comfort and challenge, for delving into the depths, a connection with that which is both within us and beyond us. And now we have an opportunity to extend our circle of connection more widely than we ever have before welcoming friends and visitors from across the country and indeed around the globe to our little gathering for worship. Some who have never crossed the threshold of our beloved building have been moved to come along for the first time as we gather online and be a part of this community of the spirit. And some of us are here each week as we have been for years now, if not decades, in person when we come to Essex Church, committed and faithful members of this historic congregation. So whoever you are, However you are, whatever state you got up in this morning, even if you're still in your pyjamas, you are welcome in this gathering, just as you are. And I'll light our chalice now, as we do each Sunday and other times when we gather. This simple ritual is one that connects us with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over. And it reminds us of the proudly progressive religious tradition of which this gathering is part. We like this chalice as a reminder of the tradition that holds us and the values and aspirations we share as a community. Our commitment to the common good and our yearning for a better world that's yet to be, where all may know true freedom, justice, equality and peace. May this small flame be for us a sign of faith, hope and love. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being. As we turn our attention to the depths of this life, the cosmic mystery and wisdom which abides in all that is, we tune into your holy presence within us and amongst us. 
in these strange and often unsettling times, there is a lot of change and confusion in the air. A lot for us to cope with, which we wouldn't have chosen. We face each day, each hour, each mood that arises in us as best we can. We may often find ourselves fearful, lonely, irritable, frustrated, or just plain weary. There may also be precious moments, at least, of consolation, uplift, and peace. In the quiet of this hour, may each person find what they most need to face the days ahead. And as we look back over the past week now, let us silently give thanks for those joys and pleasures we have known. Moments of love, friendship and camaraderie. Experiences of wonder and delight, reassurance and relief. Bursts of playfulness, spontaneity and generosity. Feelings of achievement, creativity and flow. All those times when we felt most alive and awake. And let us also ask for the consolation, forgiveness and guidance we may need as we acknowledge our sorrows and regrets too. Times of loss, pain, anger and fear. Periods of uncertainty and anxious waiting. Realisation of our own mistakes, weaknesses and failings. Awareness of missed opportunities, those things left unsaid or undone. All those moments when we might have struggled and felt like a mess. And expanding our circle of concern, let us bring to mind those people, places and situations that are in need of prayer right now and hold them in the light. Perhaps friends or loved ones, those who are closest to our heart. Maybe those we find more difficult where there's some sort of conflict going on. Maybe those we don't know so well, those who we've only heard about on the news. God of all love, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness. And we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves using the gifts we've been given in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen.
got a reading for you now. I'm going to hand over to Janine, who will read it for us. It's a piece by the Unitarian Universalist Minister David S. Blanchard, and it's called The Vase. My friend tells this story. He had been sharing an apartment with a flatmate for several years. The flatmate had many exquisite belongings, oriental rugs, Chinese imported porcelain, Sheraton furniture and Steuben glass. Most of these objects had been acquired when the flatmate had shared his life with a lover who had since left him. Somehow, that made these things precious to the flatmate, and my friend knew it. In a way, the apartment had become a memorial to this failed relationship. One night, my friend stopped at a florist on the way home from work and bought some large lilies. When he got home, he looked around for something to put them in and he spied the perfect vase, a tall, elegant vase that had been one of the last gifts from the former lover. My friend arranged the flowers, put them on the mantelpiece and went about making dinner. All was well, at least until the warmth of the house started to open more and more of the lilies, shifting their weight. My friend was in the kitchen when he heard the vase hit the stone hearth. This was a disaster. My friend knew his flatmate would be devastated. The vase was irreplaceable. He swept up the shards of glass trying to decide whether to play dumb. Vase? What vase? Or to plead for mercy. He chose the latter. The flatmate got home. The story was told. There were no fireworks, no tears, no anguish. Just a quiet, calm acceptance of what had happened. A kind of forgiveness, a kind of letting go. The next day, the flatmate called an antiques dealer and sold most of the furniture he had preserved from the broken past. He rolled up the carpets and took them to an auction. He gave the rest of the Steuben glass to friends who had admired it. And he thanked my friend for choosing that particular vase to hold the lilies. It wouldn't have worked out the same way if the flatmate had smashed the vase in anger. The ending would have been different if my friend had avoided revealing a painful truth. But several things serendipitously came together the choice of the flowers, the selection of the vase, the placement on the mantelpiece, the warmth of the furnace, the readiness of the flatmate to reconsider the life choices he had made. The disaster was really a blessing. From an unwanted event came an invitation to freedom. It doesn't always work that way. 
But this story is a reminder that it's possible. It's possible for disappointment to open doors we have been afraid to enter. It's possible that the past won't let us live in the present. It's possible that everything makes its own sense, even when that sense is not immediately clear to us. When life's next catastrophe sends you reeling, sit down and take a few deep breaths and see what happens if you peel away the layers of meaning to see what is pulsing at the core. Maybe you too will find reason to give thanks in an unlikely situation, occasion. Words by David S. Blanchard. Thanks, Janine. So we've come now to a time of meditation. You might like to have a wiggle at this point and get as comfortable as you can in your chair, if you're in a chair. Maybe put your feet flat on the floor to help ground and steady yourself. Maybe close your eyes or gently focus on the chalice flame. There'll be some introductory words adapted from a piece by the Unitarian Universalist Minister Leif Seligman. That will take us into a few minutes of shared stillness and the silence will come to an end with some beautiful music by our guest musician, Marilisa Baltazanu. As ever, you're free to use this time as you wish. Think your own thoughts and meditate in your own way. So just take a moment or two now to sit with your breathing as it comes naturally. We pause in the stillness to rest for a while to quiet ourselves so that we can feel what stirs within. Each breath draws us closer to the pulse of life. And with each exhalation, we make room for something new. And we find in this gathering the comfort of those who care. May we encounter patience along our growing edges and compassion in our most tender spots. When life presses in and shifts us off balance, when pain assails us and frustration mounts, may the rhythm of our breath steady us and bring us back to a place of gratitude. Here in this community of the spirit, May we find the inspiration and encouragement we need to face our challenges and nurture ourselves. And in these times of upheaval and uncertainty, may we be ever more keenly aware of our interdependence and the impact our everyday choices may have on others for good or ill. In the presence of suffering and struggle across the globe, May we redouble our efforts to practice kindness and justice right where we are, with the hope that the light of our actions will travel like the light of faraway stars to reach far beyond our knowing.
to tell you this, but we're living in strange times, aren't we? Every life includes some, probably many, unexpected and unwanted events. In a way, that is normality for life to not go quite as we expected or hoped. But over the last few months, many of us have found our lives have been turned upside down. This time of pandemic we find ourselves in has surely left no life entirely untouched even if it hasn't yet hit us personally close to home. The impact of this virus is being felt in many ways. Many of us have seen how future plans, both short and long-term, evaporate overnight. Some have lost their lives. Others have lost their loved ones. Many have suffered debilitating health problems. And the long-term effects of this virus are not yet fully known. Many have lost jobs and security. Whole industries are in suspended animation with no sense of how long it will last or what will survive on the other side. Some have been stuck at home for months now, shielding due to underlying health conditions and have no idea when it will be truly safe for them to emerge again. 
even those who do feel able to get out and about in a limited and socially distanced way. Social lives, love lives, family lives, many of our opportunities to pursue life's passions, all those things that are central to human flourishing, they've been interrupted and our collective well-being, our mental and physical health is suffering as a result. Our lives have been disrupted in innumerable ways. It is a cascade of loss. And of course, there's no shortage of loss in the average life anyway. Many of life's losses that would have been happening in the normal run of things without COVID-19, they haven't just gone away. Everywhere you look, people are grieving. And often they are, we are, not fully aware of it. This is something I wanted us to stop and acknowledge together in this morning's service. It seems important to me that we all face this loss and name it and the grief that results from it. Lots been written over the years about the stages of grief, a model that's most associated with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And it's a model which has been critiqued and adapted a bit by others over the years. As I understand it, there are phases which we might expect to go through emotionally in response to any sort of loss or major change and they don't necessarily happen in a particularly linear way. As we grapple with loss and particularly in times like this when we're dealing with an avalanche of losses we might well loop through the various stages of grief or linger in one of them for a bit longer and double back again. Originally the five stages as proposed were denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Since then, others have added shock, testing, and meaning-making as additional stages. Shock, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, testing, acceptance, and meaning-making. I think I've seen most of those grief responses in myself and in many of those around me over the last four or five months as we've all been affected by one loss after the other. Even those who are relatively lucky, who are in good health and financially secure, who are safe in lockdown with ones that they love, or who relish the time of solitude, even those people have had to adjust to an incredible amount of uncertainty and change this year. And we're not done yet, not by a long chalk. For all but the most oblivious, it's been hard going. And something that's become increasingly apparent to me as the weeks pass is that at any given moment, we're all likely to be at different places in those stages of grief and going around the cycle again and again as new waves of loss come along to knock us off balance. If some are in acceptance or meaning making while others are in denial or anger, it can lead to clashes or at least some quite uncomfortable conversations between us. Everybody's seeing the situation somewhat differently, making different risk assessments. And these underlying emotional states influence our decisions at least as much as any rational factors do. Yet all these judgments we make individually have an impact on everybody else. And that's always been true, of course. But our interconnectedness has never been more apparent to me. As lockdown eases, and we're largely being left to our own devices to come to our own conclusions about what's safe enough, these differences in outlook may be hard to navigate. Perhaps an awareness, 
the keeping in mind of all this loss and grief we're going through, particularly awareness of where we are in those stages of grief at any given moment. That might help us to be a bit wiser and a bit more compassionate towards ourselves and others alike. COVID-19 is a global catastrophe which has already brought huge turmoil, suffering and loss. We're in a situation that none of us would have chosen. It is clearly a bad thing. And yet, in throwing everything up in the air, it has perhaps caused some constructive disruption too. In many spheres of life, it seems, customs and practices that we thought could never change the way we've always done things has had to be chucked out the window overnight. Of course, in some cases, this has been distressing, even traumatic. But in others, it's liberating. We've had to adapt incredibly fast as individuals, communities, institutions and societies. And some have done so more successfully than others for various reasons, perhaps often to do with the degree of support and resources that have been made available to facilitate the change. There's a lot of inertia, it seems to me, in human systems. Once we get set up to do things a certain way, as long as it works well enough, and we're often at full stretch just keeping all the plates spinning. There might be a better way of doing things just over the horizon, but we never seem to have the spare capacity to reach for it, to experiment, because we've just got to keep the show on the road. I'll say it again. COVID-19 is obviously a catastrophe. It's a situation we would not have chosen, yet here we are. And this moment, as terrible as it is, could present us with opportunities for transformation and liberation as individuals, communities and societies. It could be showing us that we have a shot at the sort of collective change that we might previously have thought impossible. It could just give us the sort of kick up the bum that we could use to spur some action. The very fact that we're here gathered on Zoom this morning is a tiny example of this. In a relatively short period of time, the church has switched to meeting online. Now I know if, that for many, if not most of us, this is not as good as the real thing. But for some, including some here today, I know, this form of gathering has enabled participation in a Unitarian community where it just wasn't possible at all before. Since the start of lockdown, I've been running our heart and soul spiritual gatherings online three times a week our 58th gathering this evening and during that time well over 100 people have taken part through doing this i've heard from people all over the world who were geographically isolated from unitarian communities or chronically ill or overwhelmed with life's other demands or perhaps too anxious or shy to try coming in person and now they're able to join us even amongst those of us who regularly meet in person at the church in kensington I'd say some of our online gatherings have unexpectedly enabled deeper bonds to form. These are good things that we might never have got round to, or at least not for a long while, without everything being turned on its head by COVID-19. And I sincerely hope that we'll continue to run a lot of these online offerings, even when it is safe for us to meet again. These new ways of doing church are unexpected gifts that have come out of catastrophe. Think about our purpose as a community. Our purpose isn't really to gather for an hour on Sundays at 11am in a certain building on Palace Gardens Terrace, as much as we love doing that. 
our purpose is something more like to help build a better world or to bring about the kingdom of heaven or to realise a vision of love and justice. And there are a lot of different ways we can go about doing that, both now while we're scattered and in the future when we're able to meet up again. In a way, these terrible times have liberated us to think differently about what we're here for and realise that we don't have to do it in exactly the way we've always done it in the past. And maybe you're considering some of the same questions in your own personal lives too. The future isn't going to be as we expected, imagined or hoped, but here we are. So now what? For now, at least, we are still here. So what is required of us? Perhaps a certain responsiveness, adaptability, agility in the face of uncertainty and disruption. I should say this doesn't come naturally to me. I'm slow to change and I certainly grieve the losses it often entails. We don't know what's next. But as we're still here, we might have a little bit of power to shape it. And until we let go of, or at least loosen our grip on, wanting our old lives back, I reckon it will be hard for us to reach out for the new life and new possibilities that might be awaiting us. As David Blanchard noted at the end of his piece, The Vase, which Janine read for us earlier, from an unwanted event came an invitation to freedom. It doesn't always work that way, but this story is a reminder that it's possible. It's possible for disappointment to open doors we had been previously afraid to enter. In the face of all these unexpected and unwelcome losses, we need to grieve and lament. And we need to know that's not a one-time thing, but a cycle will go round again and again. Ultimately though, there may come a time when we accept the reality of the situation we now find ourselves in. It's not what we thought we signed up for, but this is how it's going to be for the long haul. We're not going back to normal and we need to find a new way onward as best we can. So in this potentially transformative moment, let us cultivate awareness of what's still good in the now, what we can be grateful for, what we can build on. And let us look ahead with purpose and hope towards a vision of what's still possible, the chance we still have to help bring about the better world that we all dream of. For on the other side of all this loss, just waiting, there may yet be a liberation. May it be so, for the greater good of all. Amen. It's time for us to sing together now, together but apart. A good old Welsh hymn tune for us today. Um, don't worry, we're all going to have our microphones muted, so you can belt it out safe in the knowledge that only your neighbours will hear, and mine are used to it by now. Well, neighbours, pets, anyone you live with, passers-by if you've got the windows open. But it's a hymn with a wonderful message, a hopeful message, speaking of the possibility that the future may yet hold wonders that we haven't yet imagined, and that the seeds of love and justice we plant today will bring about a world transfigured. So why not sing that message out and share it with everyone? I should say this one's a little bit high-pitched for me, um, but it's still an old favourite, so let's give it our best shot. If the technology behaves itself, the words will be on your screen shortly, and you can sing along with this recording from the Unitarian Music Society. But feel free just to listen if you'd rather.
time for some announcements now. Um, thanks to Sarah and John, our hosting team this morning. Thanks to Janine for the reading. And thanks to Marilisa Baltazano for the lovely music. Let me tell you about a number of opportunities we've got coming up in the week ahead for you to connect. We've got our coffee music, uh, coffee morning on Zoom on Tuesday at 10.30 as usual. Um, Heart and Soul, our spiritual gathering, has still got places for tonight and Tuesday. Uh, you could possibly squeeze on Friday if you if you ask me nicely. Uh, and on Thursday at three, we've got our Finding Your Voice singing class with Margaret and get in touch with Sarah if you want to sign up for that one. Um, most of those details are in your weekly email, which you should, well, by the fact that you're here, you must have got it because that's where the link for this service was. Don't forget we'll have virtual coffee time after the service today in small groups if you'd like to stick around for that. And if you can bear it, I always like to take a group photo after the service uh, with a screenshot. So um, do hang around to the end of the closing music. It's great closing music anyway. Sarah, I think you wanted to chip in with something at this point and you need to spotlight yourself. I forgot to remind you. Hello, everybody. I just wanted to say a quick um, thank you to everybody who's made a donation in the last week. Like um, all organisations, we're feeling the pinch, but I know lots of you are too. But any donation that you can make, um, you can use um, a red button on the front page of our website if you'd like to, or there are details about bank transfers, and every little bit really helps to keep our work out there in the world. So thank you. Thanks, Sarah. And in fact, Sarah will be back next week at 10 with our next uh, Sunday service on Zoom. Bring your friends, tell everyone being online makes these services more accessible to more people uh, who would struggle to come in other circumstances. So the more the merrier, now's the time to ask people. We've just got some brief closing words now, followed by a lovely song to end. So I invite you at this point to select gallery view once again so that we can all see each other and get a sense of our community and connectedness for this closing. So this hour of worship draws to a close. Soon we'll turn our attention back to the wider world beyond this little gathering and return to the rest of our lives. In just a moment, I'll blow out our chalice flame. Let us remember though, the light lives on in us always. So in the week ahead, may we bear that light, the light of faith, hope and love to a hurting world. May we truly feel our many feelings and authentically lament the losses of our lives. Yet may we still be sure to notice and appreciate the joys and pleasures we might experience even in the messy midst of it all, in the here and now. May we be ever conscious of our interconnectedness and do what we each can do for the common good of all our little bit to help bring about the better world we all dream of in these testing times. And may we take best care of ourselves and each other in the days to come. Stay safe, everyone. Amen. Out of the ashes the grief and comes the pain The coal still smolder in the rain Out of the ashes
of what we couldn't bear to lose comes a world we'd never choose and oh it will never be the same it will never be the same from the ruins and the rubble from the ashes and the dust the circle Out of the ashes comes a singing bird of fire, comes a quenching of desire. Out of the ashes comes the smallest shoot of green, tells of wonder yet unseen And oh, who knew there was such joy Who knew there was such joy From the ruins and the rubble From the ashes and the dust A circle turns as circles must All we've ever had is trust ever had is trust out of the ashes